0: This is the Horse Radio Network.
1: This is episode 157 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Monty Roberts University. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network. And today we have David Wadman, who has built a better way to protect our horse's legs. That's good. And Monty's back from Australia to share with us how he helped a horse who's aggressive. And we were delighted that he shared a little poem he had written for us, too. This is Debbie Louks, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thanks for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month, and I have producer Jen with me as always. How are you, Jen?
2: Greetings. I am very well. Thank you very much. Every show, everybody doesn't get to hear this part, but every show, when we get our guests on, I go through this litany of rules, regulations, and guidelines (laughs) for recording podcasts. Yes. And one of the things I invariably have to ask our guests is, what type of communication device are you using? Most of the time, it's a cell phone. Right. These days. These Mm -hmm. days. Often, people are using a hands-free or Bluetooth device.
1: That's true. That's true.
2: And I am so excited because our guest today is making use of Bluetooth to help
1: (laughs) horses. That was so cool. Well, that's very cool. I'm glad you made a note of that too because I really feel like these these horsemen who are coming out of the flyover states. I, I love you guys, but I don't think of, you know, the mountain states or some of those places as a hotbed for technology and darned if they didn't figure out the most efficient way to use technology to help our horse's legs. I, I, I love the idea. This is I, great.
2: Yeah.
1: And, and why didn't we think of some, you know, it, it just takes somebody who really is noodling out a problem and said, how do I fix it? And then grabbing for technology, you know, these days, this is really happening, like evolving daily that we're figuring out how in our houses to make te- technology work better for us, even to build community with our friends and family. And I think, you know, people are getting on the Skypes and the Zooms and the all these different ways of seeing each other, FaceTimes, uh, where they didn't want to before really, you know, wasn't a phone good enough, but they're doing it. And I, I just... Uh, the ingenuity of people is is just boggles my mind. It it's really fun. It's really, it's really cool. Fun. And then when Monty comes on to talk about
2: how he helped this horse in Australia, it's just, it's almost the polar opposite in that it is completely and utterly low tech, 100% mm-hmm. hello, common sense, practical thinking, and the two marry so well in this episode. Uh, I'm really excited to hear about it. I,
1: yeah. It's all about relationship.
2: All about relationships. And we're going to get right to our first guest. Right after we hear from our title sponsor, Monty Roberts University.
3: Hi, I'm Monty Roberts, and I'm dedicated to training horses without pain. You can learn to do it, too, on my Equus Online University. Western, English, the beginner, or the advanced rider. It doesn't matter. You can connect with other students online, too, on our forums, And there's a new lesson every week. It's a lifetime of learning for you on my Equus Online University at MontyRoberts.com.
1: Utah inventor, competitive team roper David Wadman worried about tendon damage to his horse's legs, knowing that heat in the legs can cause tendon damage. So he developed a horse boot to reduce temperatures on horse's legs. His solution? A smartwatch for horses. Now CEO of Zebra Equine Technologies, David started in high school in the late 1990s to turn his love for horses into a profession by making the investment in several horses. Embedded in athletic boots, the Z-Boot features a Bluetooth sensor that sends real-time leg temperatures readings to their mobile app. Horse owners now have assurance that they are not overheating and potentially harming a horse's leg. The boots also feature a layer of cooling cells and a patented new layer of impact protection, making it the smart boot on the market and only available at com. Well, welcome, David Wadman of Zebra Equine Technologies. That's a fancy name for a horse product. How are you?
0: Good. Thank you for having me.
1: Oh, I'm really glad to have you. It was fascinating. As we were talking off air first, you were just out in Forbes magazine. Now, that doesn't happen to too many ropers, does it?
0: It doesn't. We feel very honored, and we uh, just so happen to spike onto the right people trying to cater their demographic that they're interested in the, the wild, wild west, apparently.
1: So. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's great because I, I love that horses actually make it into mainstream media too. And, and that people get to learn a little bit about horses. I think it's fascinating. Really, your product is fascinating and that's why you got in there. But I think it's fascinating the story of how you came up with something that wasn't out there. And, you know, it's, it's hard these days to come up with new things under the sun, but maybe with horses, it's, it's not so much because you found a conundrum, and I was hoping you would tell us a little bit about the conundrum, and I'm just curious about the whole process.
0: Yeah, the Z-Boot, which is the horse boot, the brand name that we're calling it, it's just full of conundrums. Uh, the, the first starting with the fact that us cowboys and cowgirls were just a bunch of traditionalists, and so trying to spike onto uh, using technology in anything that's that is associated with that traditionalism is sort of sacrilege and not <laughs> widely accepted in most cases. But what's interesting is when you go to a rodeo or most equine events, you'll see the competitor when they're waiting to go and compete, they have their legs swung up over the saddle horn and they're texting their friends or uh, <laughs> posting on social media using that very uh, Bluetooth or the the technology that they are uh, you know it's offsetting their traditionalism i guess so what
1: isn't that the truth even just the long lining and the warm up arena's you know you just <laughs> i've never seen so many phones it's it's like going to a high school yeah yeah it's pretty exactly. funny i love though that you developed a business out of a need and that's you know that's you didn't do it the other way around which is clever but we do have this problem of having to protect our horses and their legs And but but just covering them up doesn't doesn't do any good for the heat in the legs. So I thought, you know, first thing I wanted you to do is tell us a little bit about the problem with heat in horses legs so that we know what setting the scene for the problem.
0: Yeah, sure. And and the the thing about uh, me developing the Z boot was uh, I'm a client. Uh, I, I buy horse products. I buy. Tack and I bought the traditional uh, neoprene sports medicine boots because that's uh, at that time that's what I felt was protecting my horses the best. And uh, I guess I need to put a disclaimer out there that I am not a uh, health, uh, an equine health practitioner, a -hmm. licensed one, but through our equine uh, medical panel that we have developed with Zebra Equine Technologies and with just researching out how to protect my own horses i have gained somewhat of a, a knowledge which most uh, most uh, horse owners should probably educate themselves on things mm. like this since it is such a, an important aspect but uh, to make a really long medical equine medical argument into just a short sort of a conversation. <laughs> okay. Basically, what I found with my competitive horses that I was competing on quite a bit through 2016 and 2017 was I saw their tendons swelling up and I didn't know what was happening. So I went to my veterinarian and he told me that there was something that was common in competitive horses and he called it wind puffs. Mm-hmm. which come to find out there are fluid sacs around the tendon sheath that are filled with uh, inflammatory hormones. Mm-hmm. But he said that uh, the horses don't display any lameness associated with that. And so I just kind of let it go. But the, the swelling kept happening. And then in one of my horses, she did start to display lameness. And so I, I got to the bottom of it and saw that my my competing on them, number one, was causing excess heat to be built up in, in their tendons sure. and just the basic anatomy of the horse. There's not a lot of blood flow that goes into right. those lower legs and blood does act as a sort of a coolant to pull uh, pull heat out of a, an extremity like that. But what I found was wh- what I went in search of was trying to find a product that would not harness that heat inside of the horse's leg. And as we all know, the most horse boots are made of insulative type of materials, neoprene, EVA foams, uh, and even sheepskins, which uh, are natural insulators. And so with with putting those things around there, it, it just made the problem worse for my horses and come to find out for hundreds and hundreds of other uh, horse owners out there. And, right. and so we just uh, went and saw that this was a big problem. There's been medical studies. They, in 1996, during the uh, uh, Atlanta, the the Georgia um, uh, Olympics that they had in 1996 in Atlanta, there was a panel of 50 veterinarians from all over the world that congregated there. And their sole purpose was to find what is happening during competition uh, and associating it with horse boots. But what is the uh, uh what are what's the subjection to the tendons uh during competition mm-hmm. and basically what they concluded and what multiple other studies concluded is that even a bare neg- a bare legged horse without any horse boot on there that the internal temperature of the tendon reaches over 113 degrees fahrenheit and come to find out from the laboratory studies that they did at 113 degrees, 80% of tendon cells, which are collagen, collagen cells, they die in a Petri dish at 113 degrees. And so without having anything wrapped around the horse's leg, uh, those temperatures are being reached because of what we're asking the horses to do, uh, the weight of the rider, the weight of the tack, all of these things contribute to those higher temperatures and that is, uh, 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 something that, that came to me and, uh, opened me up to what was happening to my own horses. And then finding out that I, th- these horses are my business partners. They're my friends. They're, uh, they're an investment that I put a lot of money into, which most of us do into our horses. And I wanted to protect that. And so it sent me on this mission, trying to find something else, which I, I did not find soon.
1: You did not find, yeah. So you had to start patching something together yourself. What 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 are some of the early iterations? What did you figure? Because you're not a, you're not only trying to protect the leg, but now you're trying to actually cool it down. Because we see that these temperatures without anything on the leg are too high. So you're actually going to go the other way.
0: Yeah, correct. So uh, there's since since we started out and until now, we have our finalized product. There's been 51 versions or 51 prototypes oh, wow. that we have built with different cooling materials, with battery-powered cooling uh, sorts of uh, contraptions, uh, different materials and uh, uh, different exteriors, not using neoprene, perforating materials, all, all sorts of things just to figure out what, uh, the, how, to, how to induce a lower temperature than what we were using in the same boots. But uh, one thing that we did find, and this is where these additional conundrums come in, is that the horse leg puts off a lot of heat. And there's a lot of energy that is coming out of those lower tendons. And so so trying to harness that energy while wrapping, putting putting something around, wrapping it and encasing it is is extremely difficult. But uh, with using what we call, it's called phase change material, and it's a patented uh, form of phase change material that is organized into cooling cells through the boot, and they're they're specifically placed around the tendon and into the places where a lot of that heat is amplified. But we just uh, were able to focus that phase change material on there. And what phase change material does is it starts off as a uh, solid. Uh, in our in our horse boot, it's more of like a uh, uh, a hard gel, I guess, is a good way to put it. Kind of a gel, but uh, it will start off as sort of uh, a little more solid. But then, as uh, the horse starts working out, the phase change material is a, is a heat extractor. It uh, it wants to, it finds whatever heat source it can, and pulls the heat uh, from the horse's leg. And uh, time after time, comparison to other boots, uh, the the Z boots is because of that active material in there. Mm-hmm. It it has an impact on what su- uh, heat is subjected to the uh, the horse's tendon. And but that's so now we we found that equilibrium that is perfect for the horses with that phase change material and not to mention the Bluetooth temperature sensor that, uh, that can prove this to you. And Well, I think keep, we should uh, mention that. I,
1: yeah, I think we All should right. mention that because I think you took it to another level because of course people are going to say, how do I know what's going on in there? How do I know it's coming down? But you thought of that. You You built in a Bluetooth temperature sensor. Tell us about that. Yeah,
0: at the very least, I mean, we're, the main thing, we wanted to know what was happening to our horse's uh, legs. It, it was really just guesswork uh, and and going through and riding our horses, competing and letting this swelling happening. And then we see uh, a change in our horse's legs and we're like, oh, maybe I should do something about it. Mm-hmm. And it just made sense to get that technology involved. And now with this new found knowledge that, we are we were educated with, and now are educating our customers on. But with with that Bluetooth temperature sensor in there, we can we can monitor this. If even the Z boot at, at a certain point, the phase change material will not be able to absorb. Uh, uh, it can only absorb so much heat, mm-hmm. and and so if somebody is is in a hot climate, they're really working their horses hard, and the horses. Uh, Uh, putting off a lot of heat through those tendons it's going to that uh, that phase change material is going to soak up uh, as much as it can until it can't soak up any longer and so uh, when somebody knows that 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 point has been reached through the through their smartphone with that real-time temperature readings uh, that's put off by the boot in the bluetooth temperature sensor then that's where they will know that hey i need to recharge these boots or i need to uh, put some other boots on. It, it's uh, it just takes the guesswork out of how to take care of our horses, and it gives the rider a little bit more power on uh, on on that higher level of care.
1: Yeah. So you could actually. I, that's a great thought that you could have two boots, and you could be rotating these two. I suppose as one heats up, does it cool down pretty quickly?
0: Uh, again, it depends on what ambient temperature uh, mm, it's subjected to. But uh, one easy way, what we found is some of the uh, professional cowboys that we've uh, given uh, some of the first pairs of boots that have come out, uh, what they're normally used to is uh, hanging the boots on their saddle, throwing their saddle in their horse trailer, and then driving down the road, going to the next rodeo. But uh, as we all know, the the horse trailers are basically like a metal box. And so whatever (laughs) the sun is hitting that thing, it's just making an oven inside of the Right. of the uh horse trailer uh, what's nice about the Z boot it it actually has a uh a, a Mylar uh, protective barrier that any outside influence from like a like the inside of a horse trailer or the sun directly pounding on the boot will not penetrate the phase change material and uh, it will the Mylar barrier actually uh protects that phase change mm-hmm. material so it can focus completely on the horse's tendon but if they uh, have left their saddle in there for a couple of days and it's been 130 degrees inside of their trailer they can actually take the z boot out and dip it into water and all of the the circuitry in there for the bluetooth is completely waterproof but they can dip it down in there for about three minutes and that heat leaves the the uh, cooling cells and then uh, they they just wait for the boot to uh, dry off or wring it out, whatever they want, and then they can slop it on there and it's completely recharged. So
1: that's fantastic. Fantastic. You're a smart guy. Um, this is oh, thank you you. <laughs> know, ama- amazing uh, technology for not being, you know, as, as you said, a technology, uh, major or anything, any, uh, any deep training in, in, uh, veterinary medicine or anything like that, but you've got some great stuff. So, um, why, why does Forbes pick up on it? Is it because uh, somebody is lurking around the rodeo grounds and listening for, for new businesses? Or how did he find out?
0: Well, I th- uh, so we have feelers out there uh, for for just ways that we can get the, the name of the Z-Boot out there. Oh, and uh, they just were attracted to the entrepreneurial side of it. Uh, and And to your point, I think when we have a passion, and when we want to, uh, w- which horses are for me and they're, they're basically my life, which, uh, which a lot of people associate with, but, uh, when, when that happens and especially when you have such a high level of respect for these animals, because I think one way you can offend a horse owner, uh, mostly is if you call their horses, their pets, like right. that'll just, uh, that'll get you thrown out of the building by most people, but, it's uh, they're more than that. It's uh, it's a companion. It's a a business partner. And and usually they they cost a lot more than uh, than your dog or kitty cat out there. So it's definitely something that people who participate in that take very seriously. And so but but with that uh, passion that I have, it it, it was it, it had to be done. I, I had to find a way that I could help my horses out. They were they were helping me make a little bit of money down the rodeo trail. They were they were giving me their all, and it was. I figured it was just the least that I could do to figure out a way that I could make it more comfortable for them, and also to increase their longevity. Mm-hmm. But uh, because of that uh, that path that it took me down, and just trying to uh, educate people on how they can take better care of their horses and use technology to in, increase their capabilities as a horse owner. I think that's what uh, uh, Forbes was attracted to. And they saw that some of their demographic that they they reach is interested in, in the horse stuff, even though they may not uh, necessarily have horses themselves. So.
1: No, I agree with you. I, you know, it does. Uh, we always tease that uh, people think that everybody who has horses is pretty much broke. But I (laughs) I think there's a lot of people trying hard to make a living so they can keep horses out there too. So I love that you're supporting that and, and you're supporting the health of horses like this too. And really seeing it from the horse's side that um, I can't tell you how many trainers have said things over the years to us, like, "Um, gosh, I worked so hard to fix a problem that I was creating all the time. And I think your your story oh, wow. is exactly that, right? Um, you know, we, we sometimes don't look at the root of the problem and just stop it before it actually becomes a problem. And, and that's actually just education. And what I love is that you're sharing that with everybody out there too. You didn't just keep this, you know, you didn't just, uh, lock these on down to the, your horse alone with uh, some duct tape and go on down the road, you actually made it a business. Sure. Is it pretty exciting uh, feeling like you have really uh, invented something and, and made a difference in the industry? Certainly it's uh, and, and you
0: just hope that you can make an impact out there. Cause you see, you do see uh, those, those negative cases of, uh, of people not quite uh, reaching that level of care that their horse really deserves. But uh, it's, it's, so refreshing now being out there and talking with like-minded people where they are looking to uh, take better care of their horses and they are even seeking the better ways to, to achieve that. But yeah, it's, it's been such a great thing and uh, to, to just coincide with my passion and helping other people to, to see that, but uh, it's, it's definitely I feel like I found my calling so to speak yeah, just being able yeah. to be around uh, the animals that I love and uh hopefully creating a, more products in the future that will increase their uh comfort levels as well while we uh while they take us down the road. So.
1: That's great. Well, David Wadman, we'll be watching you to help our, our horses have better lives, too. I appreciate you, and I'd love to have sure. you back with the next time in, in go-rounds, you know? Um, and oh, good sure. luck to you in your competition, too. Uh, you deserve it. Oh,
0: thank you. Thank you for having me.
2: Cavallo Horse & Rider offers a wide range of innovative products that provide comfort, protection, support, and value for you and your horse. Cavallo's easy-to-use, economical, and effective hoof boots are available in three styles and six sizes to fit your horse's hooves and your riding style. Cavallo's got your back, too, with their Total Comfort System saddle pads for English, Western, and Tucker saddles. Look for Cavallo simple, sport, and Trek hoof boots and saddle pads at your local tack store, or you can visit them online at cavallo-inc.com.
1: Named to Horse and Hounds Magazine lists of 50 greatest horsemen of all time, Monty Roberts is the creator of the world-renowned and revolutionary equine training technique called Join Up. Monty travels the world demonstrating that nonviolent, gentle training creates breakthrough performance as you partner with your horse. Monty grew up on a working horse farm as a first-hand witness to traditional, often violent methods of horse training and breaking the spirit with an abusive hand that, he went on to win 11 World's Championships in the show ring. Today, Monty's goal is to share his message that violence is never the answer. Monty is credited with launching the first of its kind, Online University, an interactive online lesson site that is the definitive learning tool for violence-free training. Well, welcome. Welcome home, Dad. How are you? I'm fine. I'm home and uh, I
3: don't know whether I'll ever get to leave home the way these things are going with this travel situation, but I'm home, and California's getting long-needed rain.
1: It is beautiful.
3: Everything is happy.
1: Yeah, that's right. We're getting happy, happy green. That's good. And we wanted to hear a little bit about your two months, not one, but two months in Australia, which is an extended amount of time. I know that you are, you've gone back to the Kennedy racing team and you're working with some different horses down there and baby horses and getting things going. So um, we wanted to hear a little bit about a really precious one that you were working with. It got you scratching your head a little bit. And I had people ask me about stall aggression. So I thought, well, maybe a, a perfect example would be not only your example, but also how you would help us with that if we had the same problem.
3: Sure. It's so poignant uh, right at this moment in time, because just returning from Australia, I can tell you the story quickly that last year in May, I started the babies of Kennedy Racing. That is to say, they were 19, 20, 22 months old um, kind of thing. And they took their first saddle and first rider. One of them was my second choice of seven that he purchased and a beautiful filly my first choice was a colt but this filly was to dream for Mm. beautiful filly and i didn't know the pedigree that well but her sire's name is dissident Mm. and that should have told me something i guess (laughs) but he was a champion on the racetrack and um they said a very sensitive horse and uh, had no record at all. The, the, the foals were running, but not well, you know? But I loved this filly, and I marked her very high in confirmation. And I loved her in the round pen, too, and she was um, sensitive, very, very quick to move this way and that way when you made little gestures. And my top pole, training off pressure, was taken very seriously by her and she would kick at you when the pole even touched her. It's the spongy pole that goes on their side and they learn to move away from it. So I knew her to be a sensitive horse. And then I heard later that the reason these foals from dissident weren't doing well was that in traditional training, they just wouldn't have it and they wouldn't allow to be struck with a whip or anything and they were... Very dangerous. So the filly went along doing okay. She had a little injury to a shin and she had some time off. And when she came back, she was quite full of energy. And by the time I got there in January, the people in charge of the stable at Kennedy Racing said they couldn't even catch her in the stall, yeah. that she was very aggressive. And they go through the door and she would come at them and i said what um you know and i know they don't hit horses so what is going on here and um so i went to her stall and she was at the back of the stall standing parallel with the back wall and i stepped through the door and she sprung off that wall and here she came with her teeth out her ears flat back and man i jumped to the opening of the door And she stuck her teeth right up against the wall Mm -hmm. and raked them on the wall and then spun around. And I started to step back in when she spun around and headed away from me. Mm -hmm. And then I realized, oh, my God. And I took a step back and I saw two frogs of her hind feet right in (laughs) front of my face. Mm -hmm. And she kicked with both hind feet at me. And um, since I am who I am, I put a Honda in a long line. And made a rope, Uh, no ropes there in uh, Australia that you can use like that. But I tossed this line and it went right around her head. And the instant it found her throat latch, she just said, oh, that's okay. And she came right to me. Mm. Now, that isn't uncommon. When you have control, then they will say that's okay. When you don't have control, and oftentimes horses are in stalls where they can put their heads out, and then people come by and crack them on the nose when they reach to bite them, or the person gives them a carrot or a cookie of some kind, a lump of sugar or something, and the next one to come by without something to eat gets bitten. So they become aggressive in the stall, and she had done that. Whether they did that or not, I don't know and it wasn't the kind of stall where she could put her head out because they had the upper door closed but she, anyway she became very aggressive for whatever reason she became very aggressive and so i showed them what i would do with her and before i left there which i had about 3 weeks more to work with her she came to the door every single time to meet me put my head in put her head in my lap Mm-hmm. and, uh, right at my chest. And I trusted her and I could rub her all over the head and she's in, in love with me. And, mm-hmm. um, and now the girls can catch her and I made them a pole so they don't have to throw the line. I made them a pole with hooks on it where they can put a loop over her head from 12 feet away. Mm-hmm. And, um, then they have that control again. They haven't used it yet and mm-hmm. she hasn't gone wrong again. But in the meantime, I thought I would write her a little poem.
1: Okay. I think we should hear that. I would love to.
3: The owner decided to call her Rebellious Belle. And the owner thought that was a good name for a filly by dissident, which is somebody that marches on the street against something. And anyway, her name is Rebellious Belle. And so I wrote this poem for her. And it goes like this. My name is Rebellious Bell. Some say I'm a horse who is as mean as hell. I have in my veins the blood to fight. I will not allow force to tell me what's right. Some say I'm a beautiful flight animal, a picture of athletic grace. Request of me without violence, and that will stay in place. Hit me or force me. And I will rebel. My name will tell you it's true. When I face violence, I'll fight back. My father made sure I'd prove it to you. I'm lucky to have an owner who tells it very straight, use violence with my horse and you'll get the gate. He's put together a team who loves us, you see. They work with my teammates and they care for me. My body and legs will run so fast, I'm sure I could win a group one. Hit me, say I must, then the number of wins will be none. I'm happy with these humans who work with me now. They're kind and helpful, and they show me how. My father was great, but he put in us the right to fight. It's plain to see my brothers and sisters have come to agree he's right. Most of them are with traditional trainers whom they believe treat them bad. It would be great to have them come to me and see the fun I've had. I'll be a winner, and this is my lifelong dream. But I want the humans I've come to love to be there. Because my win will be for the team. And I hope this goes to the team Mm -hmm. as a, you know, beneficial thought that she's sensitive. We must treat her right. Mm -hmm. And there's some movements at this moment in time by the, you know, officials at the racetrack that you can't use this equipment and you can't do this and you can't do that. And there's a thing in behavioral sciences called flooding. Mm -hmm. And apparently we had some people who struck her at the starting stalls, the only starting stalls that are available on the track there. Mm -hmm. And they struck her and caused her to look upon those starting stalls the way the people in Germany looked upon the tower where they were stuck in an elevator for four days and Mm. almost died. And psychiatrists and psychologists thought it would be good to flood them back and have them go in that elevator again and see that it's okay over and over again. Flooding, it's called. They went into the basements where a dozen people would be, you know, there with a building on top of them and they had to dig them out for three four five days and find 15 of them dead in this cellar flood them take them back to the cellar and tell them it's okay that's what traditional horsemanship does with a lot of horses in the stall they're flooded and in the starting stalls of the racing they're flooded and they look upon that as the elevator or the basement. And when you go back to that same structure, I can take rebellious bell at this moment in time to any other stalls and turn her loose and she'll walk straight in Mm -hmm. and stand there. Mm -hmm. And I can even back her in from 20 feet away. But you take her to those stalls where she was abused. She said abused, it was just a crack on the backside or maybe around the legs, I don't know. But I saw a video of whipping as she left the gates. Mm -hmm. And she said, that will not be tolerated. But Mm -hmm. only at those gates. That's my tower, that's my elevator, Mm -hmm. and that's my basement.
1: It's a point of trauma for her. So how did you build up the trust, or did you even need to build up the trust when you took her to another environment? Obviously, in the stall, she was either frightened or aggressive.
3: You know, uh, Debbie, I believe that when I took her to the other stalls, she was just a horse. And if I was fair with her, my word, it's just unbelievable what I can do. I even put um, a hay net in this in the stall, in the starting stall, okay? And she ate in there for half an hour, huh. you know? And then I mm-hmm. went to get her, and I walked her out under the hay net, and she let it drag over her mane, and down her backside, and out. And then I thought, I wonder if I stand here, would she back in and push the hay net up with her backside, (laughs) and streak it along her back, and she did it. So there is no worry for her in the places where she wasn't abused. (laughs) But now, only training stall on the track. And I can't use the training stalls otherwise to go fast out. Mm-hmm. So we're having a real yeah, discussion about what to do next. Mm-hmm. I know what to do next. It's to go somewhere else, but I don't have that opportunity. So right. we're trying to work on that. But be careful. Use complete and utter caution when you're dealing with a horse that would be aggressive in the stable. Be very cautious and stay outside. Get help from a professional, but not one that would hurt the horse. That won't be the answer. If you are right with the horse, you can stop that down and stop the feeding from the hand. It's the second worst piece of horsemanship on earth. Now, what is the worst then? To hit them for pain is worse. Mm -hmm. So the combination of those two things, once you feed them by hand, Then they will bite. Then you slap them in the nose, and there's the combination of violence and an inappropriate, what you believe to be a reward, which no horse has ever considered food as a reward. No blade of grass has ever run from a horse.
4: That's true.
1: So, oh, another thing that you talk about with stall aggression that might help some people too is that, speaking of food, when you go to feed them, sometimes they will get aggressive. And I, I've heard one of your fixes for that, and I, I like it. But you want to talk to that? What was it? What was the fix? I don't remember. Oh, oh. you said. Yeah, I'll tell you. You take the horse out of the stall. You feed yeah, the stall, I, and you that's
3: put the horse that's back. true. You never feed that kind of horse in the stall. You don't feed the horse in the stall. You take the horse out of the stall and you feed the stall, feed exactly. the stall. And then you bring to the horse, you bring the horse to the stall that's already fed and they find the food in there and they don't attach that to the human. That's what you really need to do with that horse that would attack you when you bring the food to the stall.
1: Yeah. Perfect fix. it, it I love simple things like I do. Is there anything else? So now you've got these young you, ladies there.
3: you remember that you've called me Debbie and it's only simple things. I only have a simple mind. I've never turned a computer on or off and I'm more horse in the brain than I am human mm-hmm. I'm sure and that's simple. Keep it simple.
1: Possibly. I think keeping it simple is, is always the best fix, but you're a deep thinker as far as observation goes, and you, you note what things work for a horse and what don't, or maybe you know it because you are a horse, so we'll put it either way. <laughs> but are there? You, you took these two women, and you've now put Rebellious Bell in their care. And when they go in the stall, you said they haven't had to use this loop. So she's coming to them. But talk a little bit about, so let's just say she happens to have her butt turned toward the door when they open the door. What's the first thing they should do?
3: Well, exactly. And they've mentioned that several times when she has her head in the corner with her tail faced toward the door or when she's turned and facing directly away and then you roll the door a little bit and close it again, and then you walk a couple of steps and come back and open the door again and close it again until she turns and looks toward the door, even if she's at the backside. Then you step in, and your shoulders are on a 45-degree angle to your horse. Your eyes are watching the horse, but not directly on her eyes. You're not challenging her in any way. So, if she would take a run at you and try to bite you, you, you you see this out of the corner of your eye and you step out and protect yourself. If she walks over and is kind to you, rub, cajole, love her, clip onto the halter or put a halter on her and then go about your, your work. But in this particular case, it's very strange that you put a saddle on this filly tied up in the in the stall you can put a saddle on her and when you go to girth it up she'll try to bite you Mm. and and you would think oh the girth much must hurt well it's a soft girth and it it doesn't hurt and it doesn't hurt any other horses so i don't know she's learned to bite and i said hang on a minute start to put that girth up again And she would go to bite. And I school her with the Dooley halter. Mm -hmm. And I'd turn it loose and leave her there. Now girth it up again. And she'd start to bite. And I school her with the Dooley halter. Now girth it up again. Well, I learned that I asked them, when you girth up later and tighten it again, does she bite at you? No, it's just the first time. Mm -hmm. So now they put girth up twice. And they take okay. it off and girth okay. up again, and she's learning that girthing doesn't hurt her. But for some reason, she decided, and maybe somebody pinched her at some time with the first girthing.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Horses never
1: forget. Yeah. And- uh, ulcers. Do you eliminate ulcers from the possibility first before Absolutely. you? Absolutely, and
3: mm-hmm. and we have had her x-rayed for two two reasons there because they had a sand roll. And, and I saw this sand roll, and it everybody was standing around loving the fact that they go in there and play and, and roll in the sand. And I looked at it, and I went, oh, my God. And they were licking the sand off of their feet. And we did tests on each horse. There's 10 in the barn, all of them full of sand. Right. That is disastrous. So they chained up the sand rolls, and we stopped that. So we x-rayed the the ventral portion of the stomachs, and there it is. Uh, there's the sand, but we're getting it out of them now, and everything's back on track again. But they used too fine a sand, and they kept it moist so that it wouldn't be dusty, mm-hmm. and so forth. Um, we're checking to see that they're getting all the minerals they need, but okay. they don't have to have a sand roll. Yeah. I went over to the racetrack sand roll that they have for the horses that ship in, mm-hmm. And I waited there until somebody put one bowel movement from a horse out there in the barrel, and then I collected it and, and checked it, full of that's sand. sand. Uh, that's the
4: worst. So
3: everybody yeah. in, in Australia now has sand rolls. They love these sand rolls. Well, go ahead, folks. Your horses are full of sand.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, you can use a more spongy, dirt, Base. I think those, you know, like mustangs out in the desert, they they love to roll in those holes. Oh, yeah. But yeah. and there's
3: things you can use, Debbie. Mm-hmm. There's things you can use. There's even things you can use that if they do eat it, it's digestible and goes yeah. through them. True. And and that's what you have to do. You you mm-hmm. you cannot put fine beach sand right in there. First of all, it has salt in it, so they yeah. they think that tastes good, and uh, they take on too much sand yeah and, you're... and if you have one that's full of sand, he's more cranky in the stall. so you're apt to get uh, uh-huh. one of yours. That's what this call is all about is the aggressive horse in the stall and and you're apt to get that uh, when you have a horse that has sand in the cecum.
1: Mm-hmm. So ask your vet how to get rid of that. That's cilia yeah, I think you check
3: got... with your vet and mm-hmm. you can take any amount of fecal material from a horse and put it in a bucket. And just run a hose in there and sort of spread it around. And when you get the bucket full of water, take a, uh, the rake handle and stir it. And then put the hose back in there and just let all of the light particles will lift off the bottom and drain out the top. And when the water is clear, then you can pour it off. And you come right down and you watch down in the bucket just like you would a pot of water in, in the stove with some rice in it or something. You can see it down there. And each of these horses had a tablespoon, at least a tablespoon of sand in the bottom of the bucket. We put them all in plastic bags and named them and so forth and so on, so the vet could could work on it. But there wasn't one horse that had less than a tablespoon of sand coming through the cecum. Now the cecum drops down, it's like a, the U in the uh, pipes under your sink. Mm-hmm. And the sand falls in there, and you don't even get any sand out with the fecal material until that thing is full. full. Yep. So it's something that everybody ought to watch. And it makes cranky horses, and they will be angry in the stable because of the pain in their stomach.
1: Yeah, exactly. So there we go. So we've got a lot of stall aggression fixes for people, but a lot of it is just thinking through how we're creating those horses being aggressive but also being fair with them to see what we can do to make their uh, their jobs easier. I even like the fact that you added slow girthing up, you know, a lot of people do that way too quickly especially with a young horse too and get yeah. them really uncomfortable or Yeah,
3: check your girth both sides of it, because it might bite them somewhere and they just use your arm as a biting post. (laughs) So check your girth to be sure that it's a good, clean match to the skin all the way around. And every time you girth up, you know, do it lightly at first and then take it up later. Don't just whack it on as tight as it goes. And then also, if they do get cranky about it, school them for it. But then Act upon it and girth up lightly, girth up more later, a couple of minutes later, and then more, maybe just before you get on, and then ride. And when you come back, undo the girth and girth up again and Mm. undo the girth and up again uh, so that they see that this business of pulling it up isn't uh, an invasion of their privacy.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It doesn't always mean you're going to go out and work either. So that's great. Thank you. Thank you for all the tips. So we'll we'll hopefully see some results from Rebellious Bell. When does she, I know they've got an upside down season from us, but when, when would she be ready for races?
3: Oh, she should be ready in the next month or so for racing, but I don't know if they have to train in those stalls. I'm yeah. I'm worried about it, but they're doing a good job. Those girls are doing a fantastic job and maybe, you know, maybe they can get it done with those stalls, but I'm anxious if it goes wrong again to have some stalls somewhere else that we can go to where we can go fast out of them because the more you ingrain these bits of behavior, uh, the dip- more difficult it is to overcome them.
4: Sure. Sure.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you for catching us up with a little bit. That's one story. I imagine there's one almost for every horse that's down there. So come back and tell us again, you know, how the horses progress. Yeah. The, hopefully-
3: next, the next time you call about some problem like this, give me an hour and a half and then yeah. uh, we can get through the whole thing. But now, <laughs> I hope I've covered this subject well enough for you that's on the fun. day. And, uh, we can yep. do it in 20 minute
1: seconds. Yeah, no, this is really great. Thank you. I'm sure a lot of people will be happy with it. Thank you for thank you for coming on.
3: Thanks, Dad. Quite all right. Thank you and your team. Whisper
0: the language of the verb. Listen, you don't
2: have to say a word. It's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts inbox and share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty.
5: Leave this world a better place than the, moon. the magic and the language of the moon. Dear Monty, I have a problem with a jumper. After his jump, he just goes absolutely mad, bucks, rears, and just freaks out. Now, I'm an experienced trainer, and unfortunately, I cannot find the solution. He has been checked by the veterinarian, and all is good. Please, I will appreciate the help. Just to let you know, I do train using... Equus. Monty's answer. Thank you for your question. I am pleased to hear that apparently you have been using my techniques with your horses. This is a problem that I see globally. Horses tending to express energy after jumping and jumping tends to bring this out more than most activities. The best results I have had come through an effort to calm this moment in time by doing a lot of low-level training. By that, I mean trotting and cantering over poles on the ground or poles set at two feet to make it easy for the horse. When you begin to address this issue, please go through and study a good amount of lessons on causing the horse to learn to stand still i believe you will find several lessons on the art of causing a horse to stand still on my online university the main effort is to allow the horse to make a mistake and to move but only two or three steps and then back up with a firm request from the duly halter this will be effective for you when on the ground simply teaching the horse to stand still When you're in the saddle, learn to keep your hands down and relax. Expect your horse to stand still. Do not demand for him to stand still. Let him move two or three steps and then make him back up to the original position. Please let me know if this has been helpful to you as I've had tremendous success with horses that have this remedial behavior.
1: For more of these insights into good horsemanship, go to montyroberts.com and click on the words Ask Monty at the bottom of the page. Imagine if you could take Monty to the barn with you, watch and learn as he addresses each challenge with your horse and answers your questions too. You head to the arena and you work on each new lesson, knowing Monty's there to encourage you all with violence-free tried and true methods. After all, he's been helping train horse lovers all his life. With his online university, you could be like Kathy, a retired teacher who just bought her first horse.
4: Recently, I went to a tack shop to look for a smaller halter. Um, 61, just purchased my 14 hands POA the day after my birthday, just a few weeks ago, after never having had a horse. And yes, that's crazy. But as a retired teacher who never had a hobby other than teaching, I decided to go for it. My hubby and I have taken lessons this past year, but I really longed for a relationship with a horse. Um, The only other experience I'd ever had was to ride a horse in Philly, Pennsylvania, my hometown, when I was 16, and I got bucked off. And that was it (laughs) until I was 61. Um, Well, the owner of this tax shop, um, this precious lady, 84-year-old lady, gave me a copy of this magazine, Equine Monthly. And the article I read in it was Horses Are Biofeedback Beings. And it was just so interesting. I really felt like I just found a pot of gold when I read it. Because in it, it talked about Monty's online university and that I could have access to 575 videos for $10 a month. And before that, I was just searching YouTube for everything I could find, but truthfully, that's just a pain. Um, I love that the uni videos are concise and they're in order, Um, they have extra notes and a quiz. And I just can't thank you enough for the huge blessing of your online university really has changed my life and I will never be the same. Um, I've had my horse Jack now for seven weeks and thanks to the videos I've done join up with him and it really worked like a dream. Uh, I had to do it in an arena, but it still worked thanks to Monty's lessons and the cues and the hand signals. Um, The ability to watch the lessons over and over on demand is incredible. So I also want to thank you so very much for making the online university affordable for this retired teacher. Thank you so much for all that you do for everyone who really wants to love a horse. Kathy.
0: What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Where in the world is Monty Roberts?
1: Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged. For all information about all dates, see more at montyroberts.com or Monty's calendar by calling 805-688-6288. Ask for Adam and ask what's going on at Flag is Up Farms.
2: And for details about today's show, it's episode 157. You can go to horsemanshipradio.com where you'll find links and photos and more information about today's topics and guests. And we love your feedback. It helps Debbie figure out who she wants to talk to next and what they want to talk about. So go to Facebook. I love
1: talking to you. Come on.
2: Go to Facebook, type in there Monty Roberts, like and follow. And if you're really modern, you can also follow Monty on Twitter or Instagram. His handle is, what
1: is it, Debbie? Monty underscore Roberts. Thank you. We got that. Yes. You'll love the Instagram. Do it. Go. Okay. And oh, and you got to talk about that app.
2: That's that's right. We have an app. If you if you prefer to have a specific app for your horsemanship radio and other awesome horse podcasts, you can download it today from your app store for your Android or your iPhone. Just go into your app store and type in horse radio network. It's a free app. Or if you're the global sort, you can also listen on your favorite podcatcher. Pick one,
1: and we're most likely Mm -hmm. there. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And many thanks to our sponsors too. We've got Monty Roberts University and we we are so appreciative of so many people who have joined us in the last couple of months. It's been really exciting. Some great lessons coming up. And also Cavallo Horse and Rider who have always been supportive of everything we do and we love supporting them as well. So you do too. Be sure to visit all the other great shows too on the Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. Until next time, have many happy horse hours.